This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's a... Called My Old Man. Well, we were nowhere near where we should be. I'm disappointed with myself. I really should have done better in picking the team. We look jaded, and um, I've stressed how important September is. We're all aware of that. We have to start winning a few games. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me, he went AWOL for a week when I was trying to uh, record a show, but uh, I bumped into him in L5 of the Lower Holt, Dan Rogers of VillaUnderground.com. Welcome, and good to see you uh, against Middlesbrough. Yes, indeed. What an enjoyable evening out we had. The bit main plus was uh, there's still a roof on the uh, the Holt end, so we didn't get wet. <laughs> to protect us from the monsoon couple of more years in the championship and they'll be selling off that corrugated iron just to pay for <laughs> <laughs> pay for John Terry's extra season when he's 40 years old. So uh, I didn't know you had a brother. Was that your brother? Yeah, well, not, not my lover. Um, <laughs> no, sort of, yeah, he's, he's a brother and I'm, I'm um, kind of thinking of it as a younger organ carrier for when I, in the future when I need... <laughs> To harvest him. <laughs> Not such a good idea taking him to Villa Park because he'll be as haggard as I am. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would warn against that. I would uh, have him kind of sipping uh, peppermint tea somewhere and. <laughs> Duly noted. Duly noted. Just, you know, w- watching uh, the Hallmark movie channel or something. So he's uh, just pure when it comes to that harvest. Good of your parents to uh, think ahead, actually, uh, to make sure that you lived a fuller life. Most considerate. And, uh, yeah, when when the time does come, I'll yeah, make sure that he's duly thanked. May he rest in peace. Yeah, keep him away from Villa Park. That uh, was good <laughs> advice that you gave yourself there. Uh, I haven't done much apart from I, I discovered uh, Rick and Morty, finally. Have you seen that show? Me too. I have no, not not the first clue what's going on in it, but I did find myself laughing. It's awesome. It is awesome. If you haven't seen it, check it out. 
Hey, Morty, let me, let me, let me ask you a question real quick. Does evil exist? And if so, can one detect and measure it? Um. Rhetorical question, Morty. The answer is yes, you just have to be a genius. Cute. Your sister's boss gave me a microscope that would have made me retarded. Ooh, oh boy, Rick. I, I don't think you're allowed to say that word, you know? Uh, Morty, I'm not disparaging the differently abled. I'm stating the fact that if I had used this microscope, it would have made me mentally retarded. Okay, yeah, but I don't think it's about logic, Rick. I, I think the word has just become a symbolic issue for powerful groups that feel like they're doing the right thing. Well, that's retarded. Uh, the only thing else I've kind of discovered uh, belatedly was uh, Gay of Thrones. Have you seen that? <laughs> that's brilliant. No. <laughs> it's uh, every Tuesday after a Game of Thrones episode, and this has been going on, I think, since uh, season one. A hair well, I think it, it started later than season one, but a hairdresser in LA, a gay hairdresser in LA, recounts what happened in the last episode to whoever he's doing the hair of. And. <laughs> He has random people, and, and and he calls all the characters by different names. He has his own name for them, like the Night King is called the approachable Karl Lagerfeld. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I think, uh, was it Arya? He, he calls her Mini Kirsten Stewart. Or he, he, changes, he changes her name quite a lot, so he calls them all by these like kind of pop culture reference names. Just when you think it's the last time we're ever going to see Jon Snow's gorgeous, synonymal face... Christine Aguilera and her dragons make everyone some delicious creme zombie. But while Jon Snow was showing her what his little hands could do, approachable Karl Lagerfeld announces, I spears all in. Very funny. Uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, just check it out. Theon Greyjoy actually joins him in the uh, the chair. Oh, the real one. Oh, fantastic. If you're a Game Game of Thrones fan and you've got a sense of humour, it's worth a watch. Anyway, let's get back. Well, let's not even get back. We haven't started yet. Let's get on to uh, the Villa universe, uh, where comedy is in short supply at the moment. Well, other than on the pitch. Other than on the pitch, uh, especially coming from Scott Hogan's ass, uh, mainly. <laughs> With his wonderful clearance off the line. Uh, three points to get us going. And three points are something that Villa still struggling to get. That's why we call this section of the show Three Points. I heard, and I didn't know this, and this is on good authority, this is just, this is like the gossip on the halt, but somebody met uh, somebody I can't... Uh, Give the name away, but basically they're uh, working in uh, at Villa Park. I mean, this may be common knowledge, and I may may be slow to the party here. But do you know Keith Wyness was did an interview and he was getting excited about uh, that we were chasing these two Premier League players that are pretty good, right? Uh, right at the end, and we didn't actually get them across the line. Yeah, yeah. Well, those two players are Jack Wilshire. Mm. who apparently wasn't up for this move. And then uh, later on, his his representative said, well, actually, uh, you're not going to get bugger all, so uh, let's go for it. Mm. And I think they tried to uh, rehatch the, the deal, but didn't get it over the line. And then the other one was uh, Loic Remy. Really? You know, the striker that always turns up uh, on loan somewhere. I, I'd i heard little rumour about the Wilshire one, but I have to say yeah. I haven't given it much credence. The Remy one doesn't surprise me, but that's new information. Yeah, but, I mean, you look at those two players, and in terms of this uh, Bruce building a, a team, which hasn't mm. really happened, it's, it's again, it's this kind of 
like a Robert Snodgrass. It's like this stockpiling of players that individually, uh, you know, let's say they're half decent. They're mm. you know they're Premier League players, but uh, where yeah. they're fitting in, he's got nobody on the left at the moment. Now with Andre Green uh, managing to get injured. Uh, you know, just after every Villa fan saying, well, if he gets injured, we've got a problem on the left. Uh, yep, he did say that. Gets injured quicker than uh, it's would It's a bad fear. one as well, isn't it? That's the, yeah, he's, he's out for one. months. Mm. So now we've got uh, we've got this weird balance situation of uh, Robert Snodgrass left footer refusing to play on the left uh, because <laughs> yeah about that left foot of mine i <laughs> actually i'm a right-sided left footer and so that forces uh either a, a doma or uh elmo if, if he if he's going to play on the wing to play uh, obviously on their weaker foot on the left so i don't know is or, that or what though? we're currently doing which is converting burke bjarnason into a or one man left-sided I, that's why i do feel sorry for the guy well, well, we'll talk about him later. Anyway, number two, Birmingham looks like on the way for, to getting the Commonwealth Games uh, as Wyness broke the news to us at this uh, fan consultation group meeting. I haven't actually uh, done my own research on this since, so uh, have you? Is, is yeah, it, uh... I can, I, I've got my eye on this one. Um, Birmingham, Birmingham announced this like it's a good idea. <laughs> They're only the preferred bidder for the UK. Right. Okay. So they, they've got to negotiate, you know, they've, we've got to come up against places like Kuala Lumpur and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. it's a big thing and, and I imagine that you know, Birmingham will be showpiecing the piles of rubbish strewn across the streets, you know, um, as, as part of, you know, I don't know, we could, art installation or something we could, we could, feature it as. But I was sure that, uh, like Australia had nothing going on, uh, Kuala Lumpur or Malaysia had, uh, had it secured for like after, Mm. 2020 so it was kind of a clean run it's not it's not all guaranteed and the, the other interesting thing right. is that birmingham have, have lost their, their the council leader the other day so he had to resign amid a, a scandal related to that binge strike where he's uh it's suggested that he'd acted out outside of his remit but the, the link to villa is that john clancy who was the, the leader who resigned was has been previously pictured with dr tony uh, the council house, and uh, he's Brilliant. also enjoyed some hospitality at Villa Park since, which was declared in his his gifts online. I noticed. I, I've seen he's been schmoozed by Villa, obviously, uh, mm. when they've had to apply for the council. If, I think two weeks ago they finally got the uh, clearance to have. I think it's 500 capacity location in. Uh, well, the, it's the Holt car park essentially where they can you know put up food and entertainment mm-hmm. pre match mm-hmm. for fans. But the capacity is 500, so I don't know if it's the first come first serve or if it'll be season ticket holders only or what's going to happen there i think that's a bit strange isn't it because surely about 500 people just stand in and around that area on a you know, on like a nice day or something and you know what, what are they going to do they're going to close it off and then yeah because you could cross over there to get to your respective part of the ground if mm-hmm. you know it, it, it is a it's kind of a walkway through is it not mm-hmm. number three uh the fan consultation meeting which happened before the Middlesbrough game with uh, Villa CEO Keith Wyness. How, how do I put this? The inventor of the Villa engine uh, was going to be there, Steve Round, the uh, football director, but he didn't. I think he was uh, trying to get back in time from somewhere, but he didn't quite make it. Then there was the commercial uh, director, is it Luke Organ, mm-hmm. and various other bods. And there was a question about the Villa engine, uh, which you may have heard about already, which is going to be like <laughs> essentially like the ethos of what Aston Villa is. It's something they've made 
mentioned it, it came from I think Steve Brown's interview with uh, Aston Villa and he mentioned it there and it's kind of grown roots from there and uh, moved on it's going to be something that's kind of instilled into the academy players from all ages as soon as you sign to Villa it, there is like a Villa way and all this kind of stuff but it seems I mean any academy has a way so uh, the idea was to get some specifics on it but because he wasn't there uh, we are still none the wiser beyond you know empty kind of sound bites but uh, Keith Weiner said it, there was potential to actually have a meeting dedicated to the Villa engine which uh, that should be quite good should uh beam it out live on youtube or something anyway so while we wait for the villa <laughs> engine please do join as a patron to support the show and we can build a my old man said podcast engine and pay for a studio so we can do this without cars going past in the background <laughs> and uh, also dan's in an igloo which is built just to uh, cut out outside noise as well Fantastic. so that's Wait, why pr- we need proud of my igloo it, it, it protects me from the outside world and all things Aston Villa related. It's like a nuclear bunker. And also thanks to our first non-Aston Villa supporting subscriber, Ooh. Rob Scott South, who's a Leicester fan and uh, obviously he's had better seasons uh, than us uh, in the last few years. Fucking glory hunter. Didn't they win the league when we finished bottom? <sighs> I think he's become a patron out of sympathy, but we thank him nonetheless. <laughs> and uh, you too can become a patron by signing up on myomansaid.com. Just look for the patron option on the menu. And the good news is, as a thank you to all you patrons who do support the podcast and sign on specifically for the podcast, we're going to start dropping uh, weekly and frequent little extra shows, whether they be snippets, whether, whether they be little advances, as a love letter from us to you. Negatron alert! The Villa engine has become self-aware like Skynet! Terminate Dr. Tony! Terminate Vinus! Terminate Bruce! Appoint Governor Schwarzenegger! I'll be back! Let's crack on with... We'll talk about basically the two games and then we'll talk about the Bruce hysteria. Brentford, nil-nil. It was only one, only one man of the match at that. Well, Brentford came and uh, before the game, uh, I think the the vibe on the streets was certainly uh, some Villa fans saying, "Oh, we, you know, we owe a team a beating. We're finally mm-hmm. going to, you know, hammer somebody." And they looked at Brentford, second from bottom, lost three of their from the outside oh. point of view anyway. Better players uh, to the Blues uh, mm-hmm. in the final mm-hmm. final hours and days of the transfer window but uh, I think they had actually bought six players at the start of the window so they kind of, yeah. let's say they uh, future proofed themselves for you know the outflux of players but still, I mean how many players could you name I mean I know, is it Ryan Wood the uh, the red haired guy? Yeah I He's... mean you mentioned him I noticed, I have to say that I didn't, you, know, you don't have to know players necessarily on the team sheet but they came and they... On the counter I mean they they, they were smart going forward and mm. they, they carved through Villa quite comfortably and if it wasn't for Sam Johnston uh, never mind getting beat 1-0 we could have been 2 or 3 to the uh, the worst well, we did ship 3 goals away last season to them didn't we the, the, the night we signed Hogan and the frustration is that that came off the back of 
sticking four past Norwich, four past Wigan, and we just seem to stop doing what we've been doing, didn't we? It was very disjointed. Yeah, well, and so far, the best thing about buying Scott Hogan was if he was playing in that game uh, as their centre forward, he, he would have probably uh, stuck at least one of his <laughs> chances away. They just seem so lacklustre. I think Bruce yeah. blamed it on fatigue. Uh, from jaded the was the word. Break. Oh. Yeah, jaded, and it's like, come on, it's September, and he admitted he he should have maybe have gone for more players that weren't uh, taken away for the international break but it's like you know come on uh, we only had five players away exactly what do you get paid to do come on come on Uh, that's the annoying thing possession doesn't really mean anything but in the context of Villa playing at home Mm. against a team that's second from bottom and they get more possession completely destroyed us in terms of uh, meaningful shots on target Mm. as well about five to one (laughs) so that was a concern and then it's remedy time against Middlesbrough and after watching Traore against Bolton and he's two two quite incredible assists I mean miraculous he lost his mind in the opening minutes at Villa Park didn't he (laughs) so that was the main concern and we we mentioned uh, Bjarnason well the thinking was there Oh, sorry, that just happens now when you say his name. That's fine. We'll carry on. I notice you gave him two out of ten on your. Uh, I did. I did. You're just setting up him as a scapegoat. I mean, no, we're talking no, about who's going to be the new no. scapegoat, but but yeah. you are not helping. You no. you are setting him up. He needs to help himself. He's. Do you, well, do you know? He but gets no. two, he gets his two because he tries bloody hard, but he does some stupid ass things when he's on the ball. And I, I, I thought his, the Middlesbrough performance from him was perhaps the worst one. There's been games where he's, you know, he, I can forgive a guy for misplacing a pass here and there and whatnot, but ugh, it was to cut him some ugly. slack. The re, the reason why I think Fuck the slack tighten the noose. <laughs> I, I call I, I called this uh, before the game and talking to somebody uh, at Villa before the meeting. It was it was their guess as well. Mm. Bjarnason was going to play on le- left midfield because he runs around a lot and he was there to basically shackle Adama running from nice. deep, which was his most you know it's his most effective. When you look at any highlights of Adam- Adama Traore, he's mm. picking the ball up either at the halfway line or in his he's half running. with with freedom. You know, with yeah. space in front of him, and he runs, and then yeah. suddenly it's yeah. like Benny Hill with like three or four players. <laughs> running after him, falling over, he falls over, he gets up, he keeps going, they fall over, and then he gets a cross in. That's why he was there, and then suddenly old uh, Adoma gets red carded after, was it three minutes, and then suddenly yeah. it's like, ah, oh, we don't really need Bjarnason, but do we publicly humiliate him and sub him now? No, we'll do it at half-time instead after he's missed the open goal. Yeah. <laughs> when they went down to uh, 10-man Middlesbrough, yeah. suddenly, I mean, they were set up, as Monk did with Leeds, he sets them up tight when they play away from home and then they're obviously Mm. uh, hoping to snatch something Mm -hmm. but they were obviously going to get even tighter with 10 men and we still just kept that one up front I mean he switched it at half time but he he kind of just went as you know as you were yeah, I don't think we had, we had all seized the initiative. I, you know, as soon as Traore went off, because he's very much, you know, he's the player that everyone would be looking at, I think, to be their spark in the game. Yeah, and, and obviously a point to prove at Villa Park. Take that all away, he's gone. We never changed anything, did we? And no. Though I thought that we had plenty of attacking options on the pitch in terms of the attacking midfield with, you know, obviously Davis, who my view was didn't look at all fit. We know he's carrying an injury, but he, he really didn't look fit. But we didn't up our tempo, did we? We, you know, I think I think half an hour passed after this ending off where literally nothing happened. Literally, the tempo was the tempo was, was lousy. Oh, it was awful. And there's two things for me that that's that tempo and that, that the recognition of actually you can seize upon this and and yeah, that is a genuine advantage. You know, in terrible conditions, they've lost their one of their keen tal- their main talisman. 
and we let it pass and we allowed them back into the game ultimately didn't we and that's my worry for for Bruce because I'm a, I'm very much on the on the fence with him but I, I wouldn't understand why particularly in that first half I don't understand what our plan was and I don't think there was a plan we did we as you say we just carried on as though they were, we were playing against 11 and there was no on or off the pitch there was no one driving us forward or anything it was very frustrating yeah. to watch I mean I, I wouldn't go as far as saying Adama was their, their talisman but in terms of being Adama Adama sorry I wouldn't go as far as saying Adama was their talisman but from the point of view that the way that as I said Monk could set them up he was definitely a, a serious outball and mm-hmm. if he if he obviously got off to the races then he would put us under you know, in big trouble, obviously, with Terry. That's why I paid my money to see Villa versus Middlesbrough, was to see uh, Trore <laughs> versus Terry. <laughs> Just out of morbid fascination, and I was denied that straight away. I almost left on the fourth minute mark. We had the, I wish I the guy, I the guy I in front of me, there was an audible tut when the red card came out because he had money on him first goal scorer. So that sort of tells you, tells you the average, the average Villa fan is. Oh, brilliant! It is great to be. It is great to be. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry to fulfil stereotypes there. <laughs> but anyway, we get but to see him again in a week, don't we? Do we? I don't know how that works. The I don't know. Does his ban extend to that? I've no idea. I I pass caring about the rules yeah, of football yeah. now. They they're just ridiculous. Uh, the second half, obviously, the double switch, <laughs> and and I, and I thought we're going to win this. I couldn't see any of a result. We should have won it. We should yeah. have won it. The amount of chances we had, just well, let, let's let's relive it because we were sat next to one another at this point, and uh, only, only in the second half, people. Uh, I had a better seat, I must admit, <laughs> but then then we spotted each other, and I thought, well, go on then. <laughs> yeah, I was, might as well suffer completely. <laughs> I'll get closer to the goal at the whole end, uh, just so I I can see uh, Hurahan's uh, goal ban effort get arse shot cannon off Hogan's arse and Snodgrass <laughs> our wonderful 60 was it no sorry 45 45,000 pounds a week missed from us about 6 6 yards out he didn't need to leather it that hard and <laughs> I can no, see the didn't. appeal of wanting to absolutely smash it in at the whole time I think he was aiming at you to be fair <laughs> You bastard trolling me. He'd listen to uh, what you thought of him and your indifference to the signing. (laughs) I like him. I hope he comes good. The Snodgrass one hit the bar and then hit hit a defender in the head when it came off the bar. And then it went looped into the air and then Hurahan volleyed it into the crowd. When he probably had more time than he realised, to be honest, but he he said in, in retrospect. Well, he did that later on as well. He did. Um, We obviously had the comedy Hogan arse clearance. Because I was thinking about this afterwards. What was Hogan doing on the line? Well, yeah, we we talked about this at the game. Uh, I, he... I couldn't understand because what was he trying to do? Get in an offside position? I don't know. Because some, you know he, he's he's interfering with play because he's mm. standing on the bloody goal line in the middle of the goal. <laughs> I love that that little video that's going around online because even the defender gets out the way of the goal, so he's like, "Oh, hang on a minute." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh fuck the accumulator. <laughs> He was on the Villa payroll and, and everything, you know, it was all going to plan. <laughs> Keith Wyness, you know, it, it made sure it was going to happen on that minute as well. He had the defender paid off and uh, Hogan just didn't read, read the script, just, didn't get the memo. Well, Hogan also didn't get the script when, uh, the, again, another one that's been, I think, brushed over a little bit because Al, Al Mohammadi came in for some stick for... Quite an indifferent performance, but he did break in yeah. the second half down the, the right wing. He squared a fantastic ball to Hogan, who on about the six-yard line, would you say, he he, he completely airshot his effort when... Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's, had, he's had a few of those now, and you think, hmm, 
it was I do like Hogan, but that that was one that I thought, wow, we've really got to be doing better in those. You look back to the Wigan game, and uh, I mean, it was a fantastic his goals game. were great. Ah, especially superb. the second one was was superb. amazing. So yep. you know, he's he's got it in his locker, as they say. Oh, is that the thing we're maybe going to see with Hogan? Where where we is he is he in that? level of player where he maybe has that in him but not consistently is that what like Savo Misilosevic whoa whoa, whoa. He, he scored a f- <laughs> that one goal at Wembley it, it... that's what I'm talking about <laughs> no that, no that's all I remember I've blotted out the thousands of efforts that sailed into the halt end are the team playing on his frequency uh... oh absolutely not and and vice absolutely. versa Oh, Codger coming on, uh, got a good uh, reception from the crowd. Mm-hmm. He seemed to uh, have had a free free role. He was he was coming yeah. very deep, as if he was playing like from midfield uh, for most of his twenty minute cameo. Well, I was going to say I saw it this way. He had to go so deep to see the ball, and that's something that Hogan doesn't do. Nor should he really. But what do I want to say about Codger? Really, he was interesting when he came on, and he had two great headers. I think uh, when it great when choice. it went down to ten versus ten, uh, Codger kind of swung it swung the momentum in our favour. I thought. And, and mm. the game was as if it was, you know, 11 versus 10 still. It didn't really make much of a difference when Lansbury went off, to be honest. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Picture the scene all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Stupid challenge, wasn't it? There's two two thumbs of thought here. He cost us the game by getting sent off. Mm, well, I don't know about that. And the other one is, just, yeah. And sorry, the other one is he's kind of taken the heat off Bruce a bit because if we'd gone mm. 90 minutes without uh, scoring, then it's suddenly there's a bit of mitigation there. Yeah, well, mm. we went down to 10 men uh, within you know when Middlesbrough were going to get tired, so we couldn't really give him a battering at the end. 
Mm. It was a bit of a reckless one. I'm, has Is that the type of challenge which normally is called taking one for the team? But he had defenders behind him to deal with the situation, which that's the thing I didn't quite get. And he could have just stayed on his feet. I was surprised to see if he read it. Um, well, I've, I've looked at drawings and it's not that bad as everybody kind of made it out to be. No, um... Bruce was very black and white on it. He, you know, he said Traore was red and Lansbury shouldn't have been sent off. And of course, Villa are appealing it. I, I don't think it was that kind of clear cut that they were one was right and one was you know one was wrong. No, I, I thought I thought Traore's was Traore's was more reckless. But I'm I'm still surprised he got a red to be honest, especially at that yeah. stage of the game. I think yellow the card. One, calm yeah. it down, son. Yeah, the Lansbury one. Um, I thought it was a, I thought it was a cynical challenge, but I, again, I yeah. was equally surprised to see the red come out. You know, but yeah, you know, the referee probably took a view that you know there was a, it was a, not a nice challenge on the guy from behind, and and they were on the break. So, in conclusion, yeah. the referees uh, in the championship. I mean, oh, they're they're, they're, a, they're a whole new whole new level, aren't they? They're so inconsistent, and it's something you can bemoan of referees in the Premier League to a, to a degree. But we have seen some. Tragic refereeing, haven't we, the last uh, season yeah, and a bit? Sh- some sh- shockers. G'day, villains. Welcome back to Jednax Jangle. Guess who's back? Nah, not that fucking greedy codger bastard. It's yours truly, the real leader of the pride. The midfield outback is a changing beast. Who's this new guy? Snotty. He's got a right fat head. And who's this Bjarnason? She's beautiful. But I can't abide women's football. But midfield, it's the least of my worries. As the alpha male of the pack, I finally got competition for the Bodymore Heath Sheilers. That real pommy bastard, John Terry. It'll be a cockfight to the death. Now, pray to the god of beards for me, will ya? Let's just end on this hysteria. And it kind of started from the third game, mm. uh, Bruce out hysteria, which it's bizarre. On Twitter, I mean, we, we touched on this last time. Uh, mm. It's like he's a dead man walking. I mean, when I did yeah. a, my old man said survey, I think I mentioned this before, in terms of basically the question is, how long would you give Steve Bruce if Filler continue to be outside the top six? Mm. Get rid of... ASAP was only 5.1%. I think that's interesting. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just looking at the other stats that I'm sure you're going to yeah. reel off in a minute. Uh, that, this is an interesting thing that because we have a lot of interaction with fans on, on Twitter and it's easy. It's a bit of a, a Tom Foxism coming. Is it, You can get a false narrative quite easily from, through social from media. From Twitter opinion, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you, it's apparent to me when, when I actually sit back and I sit, you know, watching what we saw against Middlesbrough that we desperately need to improve, but we could have won that game quite easily through despite the issues that Bruce had in that game through just some better finishing from you know the the ample chances that we had that changes the narrative doesn't it I mean he's got he's got a couple of things like Snodgrass isn't going to be rusty as he was Codger no. again coming back there but both of them will improve Yedinak although he's to me plays too too deep he's essentially playing as a third centre back on the toes of Terry and Chester completely agree with that yeah. I mean Bruce needs to think about that role and you know allow him to go over the halfway line a bit more or, or, or something because both Chester and especially Terry for centre backs can can you know can play a little bit and their distribution's alright so they're 
just standing there with their hands in the pockets while uh, Yedinak's literally like a meter in front of them. Yeah, it's silly. Asking asking for the ball and and his distribution is really no better than you know Terry's. He's not he's no. not like Glenn Hoddle spraying it around. It's uh, well, he's probably it, the third most competent of the three, isn't he, in terms of yeah. distribution. So he's kind of it's a it's a wasted cog where you'd rather have a person further up uh, asking for the ball and giving mm. us more chance of actually winning the ball you know in the opposition's half and an extra body up to you know link everything up so it's a bit of a strange one so there's other things to come so so there is sense in this survey in terms of I think there's a realization of that I mean the next uh, categories are kind of give him ten games which. I mean, maybe a bit of a boo-boo there, because I've also said uh, give him until October, and that is essentially yeah. around ten games. It's about eleven games. Uh, but look at so, it this way: uh, looking at the, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead and just say, look, looking at the huge wedge of responses that you've had, almost ninety-five percent of people are saying at least ten games. Yeah, which would be fair. Yeah, I, I, and and I think that you know, if that's the average Villa fan, I think that's about that's about what Dimatteo had last season. In fact, that's exactly what Dimatteo had last season. Yeah. And we will know him by that point. We will be able to judge him. So. Yeah. But to to do a mystic meg on it, mm. as I think it's the biggest percentage, 35.5% have said, give him to the end of the year. Yeah. Now, the next, there's going to be two more points where the Aston Villa board and Dr. Tony will actually seriously uh, consider getting rid of Bruce. It's not like, oh, we've got to beat Forrest or else he's out, or we've got to beat mm. Middlesbrough or he's out. That's not the case. The next natural drop-off point for a manager would be the international break, which is the 11 games mark. Mm. The one after that is obviously uh, around Christmas, so then he gets the new January transfer, transfer window, window yeah. the new win- the manager to come in. So you look at the fixtures to come, and I think there's enough there. I'm talking specifically Villa at home to Bolton, Villa away to Burton, those two games at the end of the month. And then you've got another home game against Forest, and then away against Barnsley. I mean, that could go any which way. Mm. But I think there's enough in those four games for Bruce to, let's say, win a couple at least, and that will keep him in until uh, until yeah. at least the uh, the New Year. So I think, well, sorry, until about Christmas. I think December time is the first time that they'll look at this. I tend to agree with that, but I think that's the rational way of looking at it. The, the bits that worry me is that there's, a, there's an irrational side to football, um, and, and I do... Well, you only have to look at Crystal Palace for that. <laughs> Well, that is the irrational side of football because, you know, you go to sleep with, with De Boer as your manager after four games and they were unlucky not to win and then you wake up and Roy Hodgson, 70 years old, is... It's lying next to you, um, <laughs> naked. <laughs> Beer goggles, isn't it? I, I think with Bruce, the thing that, the thing about it is, an, it is a big issue for me because I can sound like I, I'm desperate for Bruce to say in post. He has to improve quickly. I think that's because there's, there's my opinion is the owner has potentially an itchy trigger finger on him. I do get that because I think he's emotionally so invested in in the club through Twitter and through these interactions yeah. with fans and whatever. And, and we've been talking about his use of Twitter from the very beginning, yeah. and uh, I think it's so unhealthy. I don't think it's helpful to put an angry emoji face no. on. You're you're basically feeding the pitchfork brigade. You're, you're creating up more pressure on the team and, and obviously the manager. 
And, you know, I'm, I never wanted Bruce in the first place. And mm. uh, I think uh, once we're in the Premier League, we've suddenly, you know, we, we haven't got somebody who's going to enforce the Villa engine because, no. uh, you know, he's not going to change his spots. So I was never in for it. But for Villa to get promoted at the moment, the best bet is the manager who just signed all the summer yeah. transfer acquisitions because obviously they're there to service his aim. And obviously he's done it before. So at the moment, but it obviously once it gets to that kind of 10, 11 games and if you're not winning games then um, we've only won one in seven so yeah, um, if we're one in ten then he's got then we've got problems the, the, the facts are that are as they are aren't they I mean, and he'll be you know it will, if it's going to happen I think it will happen sooner rather than later the thing that I'm so worried about and, and this is where I think people can misconstrue that I, I, I've got some desperation to see Bruce forever installed as the, the manager and I haven't because I think it's been as I say, poor, poor. Yeah, over the forty plus games. Uh, over yeah. the forty. Well, I, I, I still think of that awful January through March period that we had. To, you know, we should have. We had enough last season to get into the playoffs, in my view. It was going through chronic yeah. loss of form and and, yeah. and no plan that we didn't manage that. But that's we've been there this yeah. season. The thought of Bruce failing and being sacked. I mean, that's not the issue for me. The issue is what happens next. You know, you sack him in a week, and you sack him by Christmas. Yeah. What, we're no further forward than we were last season. And who's who's the next natural person? Because then you're into this ridiculous. You're almost like a tombola of managers where people go, oh, well, obviously it's going to be David Moyes or obviously it's going to be Sam Allardyce. And, and I don't think necessarily it is. And people have even started saying things like, well, Dean Smith's organised Brentford very well. Yeah, but this is yeah. this is Aston Villa. You know, is this, well, what's our aspiration genuinely? The next manager move will be, if we've still got a shot of it, it will probably be like for like. There's only two choices here. There's there's either a like-for-like like manager, and that's basically an old guard, mm. you know, whether it's the usual crowd, Pearson. Nigel Pearson, mm. Allardyce, you know, as unimaginative as it gets, or mm. you're starting to look at, okay, let's get this Villa engine starting, and you start to get the young manager mm. in, who you actually uh, have some kind of uh, belief in, but suddenly that you're starting to look at should he have done this right at the start because mm. he's got to start from scratch and most of, half of this yeah. team will be dumped at the end of the season or will want to leave like your Codgers, your Chesters, you know Terry's out anyway, there's a few uh, on their last last year of the contract suddenly the parachute payments have dried up we've just mm -hmm. got the last one which is what's that like 20% of yeah. the, and so the the young guy or whoever it is taking over it's suddenly it's not about getting promotion the next season it's about rebuilding and they'll start mm -hmm. to spin the two or three four year type thing and we will be like Sheffield Wednesday and Leeds and Forest yeah. have been yeah. before us and all these swanky marketing men working for Villa now thinking they're still a Premier League team uh, are going to get a bit of a surprise and and uh, we're going to have to almost declassify ourselves in our own head. So this, these, the, the stakes are big this season. Well, I think that's the thing that can easily be lost on on folks really the, the reality of the situation changes somewhat. I think this season in, in that we won't have the financial clout that we did. We will through through the nature of the of the wage burden that we would have. You know, there'd be a natural turnover of players and. It's about sustainability, isn't it? That we'd suddenly find ourselves in a position where actually we'd be just like every other championship team that's yeah. down here and has been stuck down here or, or in limbo. And faced with the prospect that, hang on a minute, every every year there's another dumping of three teams coming out of an increasingly richer Premier League where every year on yeah. year that, that, dump, that dump of money becomes even bigger. As I say, my fear isn't... It's Bruce is almost irrelevant to this. That It could be any manager in at the moment, but 
the one thing yeah. we haven't had throughout the last six, seven, eight seasons now is any measure of stability at the football club. And sacking another guy just doesn't make. I can see why we might arrive at that. I can't, you know, and that will be yeah. Bruce's fault ultimately. Whether he, you know, if you can't go and you know, looking at the fixtures that are coming, if you can't beat teams like Barnsley, Forest, Burton, and Bolton, then you know, judgment will be made upon you upon results. But what yeah. we can't do is be lurching game to game as a team, as a club, going sacking. Oh, he's got you know this sort of barometer of this binary way of thinking. The worst outcome is that Bruce fails, irrelevant of what you think of him, because we would just be yeah. back at square one. Because if he gets us promoted, uh, whether it's skin of a tooth by, by the playoffs, then we go into phase two of the Villa board's plan, and that might actually include getting rid of him in the Premier League. Because suddenly they'll have an influx of money, or maybe, you know, maybe uh, they'll look at him as somebody who could potentially keep us up even though his track record in that respect isn't that great so they might give him another season to stabilize but they'll be then looking for a long term you know what is the villa identity and how do we get from team that's promoted to one that's challenging and being inventive and mm. evolving into uh, basically a team that's going to challenge for europe again well, i think you'd see one of two things and we've spoke about it in brief before and perhaps it's getting a little ahead of ourselves but you know i think if we got promoted i think you'd see like a southampton type response that wasn't very fashionable when they got rid of Adkins when they got promoted. But yeah, exactly. they took a view that they thought actually he was the guy to get us out of the championship and thank you very much, but we're going to go with Pochettino now. Yeah. <laughs> and then you look at the other side of the coin where we're at Bournemouth who took the view that actually we're investing a young manager. But as soon as they got promoted, they offloaded pretty much the entire promotion squad or you know they became peripheral players, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and and have, have stabilised on that basis. It's kind of a it's a no win situation for Bruce, but don't tell him that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't take away his incentive to uh, get us promoted. Well, he's only on a one year rolling contract as well. So he'll, he'll, mm. yeah, you get a nice juicy bonus, though, won't he? And, a bru- and so a Brucey bonus. You'll get a Brucey bonus. <laughs> oh and, uh, God, I'll close the door on my way out. And, and uh, so will John Terry. So uh, all those Bruce uh, Bruce out brigade. It's it's a bigger picture, isn't it? I can see why people would want him out. Yeah, if but. let's say he wins two or three of those uh, the next four games, mm. I think that's enough for him to stay, and we're still in touch. And mm-hmm. I think he will stay. I still think at the moment we've got more chance of getting promotion with him now, with a team that he's just got in essentially, and you know one of those players that he got in in the summer has only just started. Our main striker last season has just come back and hasn't actually started a game this season, so the pieces are starting to fall into place. So he. It's his last chance, and he should potentially know that. So I, th- I think he makes it to Christmas before anything serious starts to happen. I think so, and I, and I think that if that happens, it's reasonable for him to be questioned. And you know, yeah. at this level of professional football, I would have to assume that he, you know, his performance managed, isn't he? That his his remit is promotion. Yeah. And you know, there will probably there has to be set milestones within the season. And I, and I would have thought I would be surprised at this this juncture if the club had said anything other than well, unless we're in the relegation zone or we haven't got a point, you know, that sort of reaction. Yeah. That would prompt something. But here and now, after seven games yes it's not desirable but should have beaten Hull and, and we should have beaten Middlesbrough for, for my money and yes there are issues yeah. and there are reasons that, and faults and flaws of Bruce over the, over that period but I don't think we need to be burning down the club uh, at this point you know we just yeah. need to we do need to sit tight for a little bit longer I know that I know that's not going to please people <laughs> really there you go folks <laughs> that is the rational voice of the My Own Man Said podcast telling you how it should be <laughs> If you disagree, then give us some shizen on Twitter at Aston Villa Pod. 
also if you're a fan of this podcast please do share please do retweet it and on twitter and also share on facebook to increase our claret and blue fun loving family and also i i need more donors because i need more organs to harvest oh, you're, you're you're so weird yes well you knew this already until next time until the sacking uh, special <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until they ignore our rational advice and uh, sack him immediately after Dr. Tony issues a tweet with five angry emoji heads. And a picture of him with his... Oh. <laughs> it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. My old man said... Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.